0: It's another edition of Baseball and Beyond, and I am excited to talk to Mike Shannon, the voice of the Cardinals. Hello, Mike. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I am wonderful. What are you doing these days when the Cardinals are out of town? You're only working 81 instead of 162. I, I just want to know, start from the beginning. <laughs> You're staring me
1: down. I'm
0: going to guess there's a fishing rod
1: somewhere in there. Well, there are a number of things, you know, uh, and you have to be careful with your time. And you would think, well, now you have a lot of time, but you don't really have a lot of time because now you have uh, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. You have wives. You have uh, houses. Uh, and there are a number of things that you have to make certain that you uh, get your time right for. So we're, <laughs>
0: we may be learning here that you might be the first broadcaster to go back on the road for 160 games. <laughs>
1: well, that, I don't think that's going to happen, but, they're, you know, on, now it's fishing season, and we're getting into uh, uh, what we might call hunting season. So you have to prepare for that. And I check with my uh, mentor, Mr. Shandies, to see where which way the wind is blowing, because he knows all. And uh, so I always make certain that I talk to Mr. Shandies about uh, what he thinks is going to happen during the hunting season.
0: That's what I was going to say. Who makes the schedule more, uh, Mrs. Shannon right now or
1: Mr. Red Shandies? No. Uh, uh, the, uh, the schedule is set by the state and the federal government. <laughs> that is who runs that, and it has nothing to do with uh, Mr. Shandings or uh, Mrs. Shannon. Uh, by the way, Mrs. Shannon comes along and she enjoys uh, the outdoors, and that's very important.
0: You uh, Obviously, we've talked a million times about baseball and kind of your past, but I'm always interested in the, the fact that you had the chance to play football. Uh, you played great football in, in high school and obviously in college. Just give me that, that decision back then, because I know that you said that you you still consider yourself a football player who played baseball.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think when you see athletes today, and it just didn't start uh, 10 years ago or 10 years or 15 or 20 years ago. It started about 40 years ago where our society started to specialize, doctors, lawyers, uh, athletes also. Now, you know, when I was uh, an amateur you played three different sports. You'd play uh, basketball, football, and baseball, or you'd play track and swimming, or tennis, or golf, or something like that. Now, it's very rare that that an athlete goes into two particular sports. He stays mostly with one sport that he specializes in, and consequently, we have uh, better players, at those uh, particular venues than we had uh, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. They specialized, and that's what our society has become, a specialized business.
0: We did hear John Smoltz in his Hall of Fame interview say though, play other sports, you guys have to not play baseball. Tell me a little bit about what you think of that. Do you think there's too much baseball, 12 months is too much?
1: Well, I think that the, at the professional level that they, they work out too much, they play too much. You know, the body needs a chance to uh, reorganize and and to replenish itself. I mean, you know, you'll talk to doctors, okay, and when uh, they finally say, just don't do anything. Don't take any drugs, don't, don't take any aspirins, just rest, all right? Because the body really heals itself. And I think there's another part of the business also, and that's the psychological end of it, the mental end of it, okay? You keep grinding, grinding, grinding. Hey, that's why we have vacations. That's why we have weekends. It's been proven that if you want a good workforce, you have to give them time off. They need time off. They need time off to take care of other interests they have, their families. They also need time off from their work and the everyday thought about that work and the pressure of that work. That's a very, very important part of our society. Give it a rest. Don't think about anything. And we we see that with the professionals now. a, A smart manager will go to a player and say, hey, we got a day off on Thursday, so I'm gonna give you off on Wednesday and Thursday and maybe Friday or if they always plan it for a day off, okay? And what I want I've heard managers say and baseball managers and football, basketball, the leave, don't pick up a baseball, don't do anything, go whatever you want to do. Go fishing. I've heard managers say, I don't want anybody to come in tonight. I want them to stay out all night. I, I and tomorrow, I don't want you to come to the ballpark until 20 minutes before game time. Those are psychological moves that really help people.
0: But they It just seems right now that these guys aren't doing that. You guys didn't, I don't know, maybe 5 o'clock you'd get to a 7.15 game. We know that Matt Carpenter's here at, at, at noon or 1. And it almost, like you're saying, it almost seems like he's thinking baseball too much. I mean, and now he's got a kid, so he's talked about how maybe that'll change. But just the fact that these guys just kind of have... Gotten into this thing where this is what they do all day, and that, and you're saying, like you're saying, maybe maybe we need to back it off a
1: little. Well, you just have to, you what you have to do is budget your, budget your time better, is what it all amounts to. But because of the electronic uh, age that we're in now, okay, you have so many more things that are available to you that you have to. Uh, put your attention to, okay, so we didn't have uh, the video like they have now, we didn't have uh, the internet, we didn't have all of that, okay, and you have to take and budget a particular part of your time to those new innovations that we have, if you don't, you're going to get left behind, but you also have to make certain that you don't, you know, it's the same old story, you know, Uh, it's addition by subtraction.
2: We'll get back to the interview in a minute, but I want to tell you about my favorite restaurant in St. Louis. It's Masses. They have five locations. There's one in Newtown in St. Charles, one in Baldwin right off of Manchester. The Wing Haven location is fun. Town and country at 141 and 40. And, of course, Bridged in the Old Place. It's Italian fare. Any type of pasta you want. Red sauce, white sauce. I had a Cajun chicken pasta that is unbelievable. Cajun chicken pasta at an Italian restaurant, and it's unbelievable. They have this beef pepe medallion that the sauce you will not taste anywhere else. Of course, they've got St. Louis-style pizza. The Big Al is uh, is, a, is a fun treat if you're ready for a Big Al pizza. The bartenders are fun. You'll have a great time there if you're with your family or friends. It's stlmasses.com. Each location is different. So if you try going out to Winghaven one time, maybe you'll go to Baldwin the next time and you'll have a totally different experience, but the food will be great. It'll be affordable, and you will have a fun time. There's no baloney in the cannelloni. It's Masses Restaurant, five locations, St. Charles, Baldwin, Wing Haven, Town and Country, Bridgeton, stlmasses.com. Go check them out. Let's get back to the interview.
0: We talk about your teams in the 60s a lot, and I don't think I've really ever asked you about the fact that that was a three-year run or three of five years, but the teams were different. Can you tell me a little? It seems like the 64 team, we had Grote and White, you had... Older guys, along with Gibson, '67. You bring in Cepeda and Maris, so that's kind of a different team. Kind of bleeds into '68, but just how different those two teams were. I guess the one constant is. Carver, Gibson, Flood, Brock, but Shannon. Uh, but Tell me a little bit, of, is, am I right about how that works? Because a lot of people want to compare one team to another, and it, it really doesn't seem like you can
1: do that. You can compare teams, but you can't compare errors. You can't compare one error to another error. In my mind, I don't, I don't do that anyway. Now, if you want to, you can, but, I mean, I think the greatest baseball player ever was Babe Ruth. I never saw him play at all, but if you look at his statistics, okay, when one man hits more home runs, in the same league than five other teams, you better pay attention to that. And when he had a slugging percentage of 690 for his entire career, but look at what they did in his area, who he was playing against or what they did, all right? And it's the same situation that we have now. Now, in the 64 team was a much more talented team. They had bigger stars. You had Boyer, you had Groat, you had Bill White, you had Kurt Flood. And then Lou Brock came along, okay. And of course, Brock was the real key to that ball club. He, he just, boom. Once we acquired Brock, then a lot of things happened because it gave us a number of things. It gave us a leadoff man. It gave us speed. It gave us a left fielder. And then when we acquired Maris in the '67 and '68, it was a different situation. The '67 and the '68 team was much more uh, uh, proficient. They just didn't make mistakes. And when they went onto the field, they let the other team beat themselves and you you can see that in today's baseball if you have good pitching good defense and good fundamentals the other team will give you a run or two a game you'll let them make the mistakes but you have to be proficient and that was the difference between the 64 team and the 67 and 68 team
0: i'm a bit of a gambler i love to win money i hate to lose money if i lose 200 dollars it's way worse than winning the $200. The reason I ask this, I know how 68 still hits at you. Tell me, is that how you feel about 68 versus the two wins that, it's nice to win those two, but I'm still really angry about 68.
1: Oh, yeah, and I'll be angry angry about 68. Not not angry, I won't, I won't say angry. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but... You learn more from your mistakes. I always did. I learned more from my mistakes, and I look back and I see those mistakes, okay? In the two wins, 64 and 67, I don't think about the mistakes we made, but I do think about the mistakes we made during the 68 World Series, and I, and I see those mistakes, okay? They're more. Uh, prominent and profound than the 64 or 67. Sure, I see the hanging uh, breaking ball that I hit off of uh, uh, the great left-hander, Whitey Ford, in the 64 series, and I saw all the great home runs that were hit, and then in 67. But, you know, players today, they ask me and say, hey, what's the difference between the teams that you played on and the teams that I play on? And I said, it's simple. Gibson. You know, but it was a different era, and what you had there, you only had to win, you know, You won the pennant, and then you went right to the World Series. So you only had to win four games. Well, Gibson won three, so you had to figure out how to win one other game. It's so much harder now, so much more difficult to win the World Series because of the playoff situation and all the games that you have to win and the pitchers that you have to have.
0: That pitching, a couple more minutes with you. The way that we talk about pitching today and the six innings and the five and dives and the 100 pitches, Gibson would never have gone for this. Just tell me a little bit about... I know there's so many reasons why but you give me your your reason is it the money is it uh, these guys don't throw the way they used to what why is that it just it gets really infuriating when you see aces that can't even do this every night.
1: It's a combination of a lot of the things that you mentioned okay first of all it's a combination of in the minor leagues okay they do not stress and put stress on players uh, because of a number of reasons okay so in other words, the, the very talented guy, that first-round draft choice is a pitcher, okay? He's a, he's a, there's no way that he's not going to be a big leaguer, okay? So you really want to be protective of it, So he can only throw 100 pitches. But well, when he throws 100 pitches in the minor leagues, uh, 80 of them, he just blows them away. He may have to grunt on 20 out of the 100 pitches. But when he gets up here, he's got to grunt on 80 rather than maybe 100, okay? So, first of all, and I've asked all of these pitchers the same question. Were you ready when you got here? I'm talking about that the guy that was a no-miss. He was a big leaguer. I'm talking about the Carpenters and so forth and so on. Every one of them, everyone said they were not ready physically and they weren't ready psychologically or mentally either because they never were put to the test before they got here and then when they got here they were put to the test. Well, it's much easier to learn at the minor league level because you don't have all that attention but there are, there are other reasons also. You have the reasons of the financial situation you have you know the monetary uh, part of the business, you have the business part of the business, you have the medical part of the business. All of those have changed so you cannot compare once again one area to another. But I will say this, and you have to remember that they have reduced the mound, the height of the mound. That's, in my mind, that's very, very important because a lot of these guys injure themselves because of that mound being lower, and that's a, medic, that's a medical situation. But, you know, you have to put everything together, and it's not that easy to do. And let's don't forget about the agents that are in this business now also.
0: A couple more minutes, a couple sure. stories. I love a Mike Shannon story. I have not heard this one, so I want you to kind of describe it. The day that the great Stan Musials at Wrigley, one of his last nights, and they say starting at first base, Mike Shannon, tell me all about that day at Wrigley. I've heard about this story.
1: Well, that's true. Uh, uh, right before the game, it was, it was Stan's last year, and he had gone around the league, and everyone knew that it was his last year, so they had prepared for it, and they had Stan Musial days. And so we got to Wrigley Field, and the last day, Stan was kind of wore out, so he told the manager, he said, hey, I'm not ready to go today. So the manager came to me and said, Hey, Stan's not going to play today. You're going to play left field. So I go out in left field, and there's a guy. He he said, "Hey, Mike." He said, uh, well, he, "He said, hey Shannon, where is, uh, where's where's Muse?" I said, "Well." He, he he's not playing today. He said, "You mean I drove 500 miles to <laughs> watch you play left field?" <laughs> I felt so sorry for the guy because I could understand what he. You know, you can. He brought his son with him. You know, his son was like about eight or nine. You can imagine the 500 mile drive. He's telling about his, he's telling his son about Stan Musial and everything. And he gets there and was not playing. <laughs> he was rather disappointed. So about, I don't know, about the third or fourth inning, I went in and Stan was taking a nap. Today, Stan, you got to help me out here, and I. Explain the situation to him. I said, "Sign this ball for me." And I took the ball out and I gave it to the guy. Stand by, Stan Musial. Hey, Mike, come on, Mike. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so you bought a fan that day. Yeah.
0: You guys had uh, you traveled and you had. I mean, you were with some great names, so you always run into great names. I've heard the Jonathan Winter story; it's great. But did you ever get a chance to run into like Frank Sinatra, the Rat Pack guys? Or what's your favorite famous person, celebrity, if you have one story? One, one that maybe we haven't heard something. I'm thinking Sinatra. I feel like you and Sinatra together would be something interesting. Anything close to that?
1: Well, we had an off day <laughs> on a Monday, and we played Tuesday night in uh, San Francisco. So I, I uh, arranged for an airplane to fly us to Lake Havasu, and we fished, okay, all day Monday. So Then we were going to fly. It was, a <clears throat> it was a private plane, and we were going to fly, fly from uh, Lake Havasu to San Francisco for our Tuesday night game. This is Monday night, so I said to the pilot, I said, uh, "Hey, don't we go right over Vegas?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, just drop us off in Las Vegas." And I had a friend there, and so anyway, we got there and he arranged for some rooms, and then said, "Hey, uh, is there? Can we see a show?" He said, yeah, you got 15 minutes to get down to get dressed. So we get there. the guys waiting for us. He's waving, "Come on!" So I go down. And the next thing I know, I have my, my left elbow on the stage, and I say, oh, I know I'm in trouble now. And I look across, and there's Mimi and Hines. and So it's Sinatra playing. So that's when he owned the Budweiser Wholesalership out in Orange County. So he's right in the middle of his show. He's going, oh, playing these great men. And you could hurt a pin drop, and he stops. And he walks over, and he looks down at me, and he says, hey, does the boss know you guys are here? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> the chairman's asking about yeah. the boss yeah right who was it uh, gussie bush at the time right. because you know he had the budweiser holder right. the budweiser wholesaler ship in, in orange county and of course we. <laughs> so anyway and i'm going oh no 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 but i i was fortunate enough to see him uh uh play three different times but uh sammy davis jr he was the best entertainer that i've ever seen uh those guys were unbelievable. And you took, and it was just uh, their talent. There wasn't any of the fireworks and all of this and all that. Sammy Davis Jr. I saw him at the Shoreham Hotel in Washington D.C. with Maris and I, and uh, you know it was. Uh, you had a date. we had day games back there, and so he came out. And let me tell you what he came the standing ovation he came back out and played some more and the standing ovation he came back and he just kept playing I mean he loved it he was just a phenomenal entertainer but the list goes on and on John Wayne I had a great story about John Wayne and uh, Stan Musial having breakfast so the bill comes and and they were arguing over the bill and so so uh Wayne says to uh, Stan, he said, Stan, let me get this check. I want to show you something. So the check comes, and it's, I don't know, $14 or something. So he writes a check, signs it, John Wayne. Stan what are you doing? He said, they'll never cash it. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a very... I, I always wonder,
0: do you pinch yourself when you think of this life that you've... I mean, you're. Uh, uh, John Mabry calls you America's guest. That's really the only way I think I can describe Do you ever think this has been... It's not over. When you got nine lives, you've, what do you would use you get nine lives and you've use six of them. Is that your line? How you...
1: No, I <laughs> just uh, I don't sleep. I think sleeping. Uh, I take naps now. <laughs> I learned that from Musial. I watch Musial all the time. See, I, I I knew Stan when I was in high school. Okay, because I played with his son in, in high school. So I watched him, and I watched people over the years and how they uh, took care of themselves and how they uh, handled themselves, and I think that's important. Uh, you know, especially when you're young. You look to experienced people to see how they conduct themselves. So I've been very fortunate over the years, and some of the great people that I've met, presidents and actors and fighters and horse, horsemen and jockeys, and the list goes on and on. But the everyday people are the ones that are just phenomenal. It always amazes me how much they know about this business and, how, and, and the questions that they ask, the pertinent questions that they ask. The fans are phenomenal
0: you've got a game to do I have one last thing and maybe we'll do this again because there's always so many things we can cover Mike I appreciate your time Shannonisms I mean we you see him in the in the STL today do you uh, like that you see those do you enjoy them it's it's sort of like yogiisms. he says them he goes I don't know what I'm saying you know and it becomes a yogiism you know my favorite obviously there's a full moon here in New York I wish you guys in st. Louis could see it I mean that is just perfect do you like that people love these things do you know when
1: you say them, that you're saying them? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of times that it's foggy and you can't see the moon, all right? So, that, you know, if you think about things. But they've been embellished over the years, and about half of them I never even said, okay? But, you know, you, you take, do you take a credit or do you take the blame? Take your pick.
0: Mike Shannon with us on Baseball and Beyond. We'll do this again. Enjoy your apple pie. It looks delicious. Cherry. <laughs> Cherry pie. And uh, we appreciate his time. That's our edition of Baseball and Beyond. Hope you uh, subscribe and enjoy today's show. Thank you for listening.